Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self meets the world and contributes to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Nathan Jamail. Nathan is the author of Serve Up, Coach Down, Mastering the Middle and Both Sides of Leadership Best. Nathan doesn't just write about leadership, he has lived it in a 25-year career spent in sales management and coaching top-performing teams. After 15 years in corporate America, he created and built several companies before starting his speaking and consulting firm, Jamail Development Group, which helps leaders and organizations in all industries and has been recognized by Leadership Excellence as a top development company in the nation. Nathan has led seminars and workshops at more than 60 companies, including Cisco, FedEx, and State Farm, and he's the author of four best-selling business books. Welcome to the podcast, Nathan, and it's great to have you here. Thanks. It's great to be with you. So I'm, I really enjoyed reading your book. There were uh, really some things that stood out for me. And one is one that I can really relate to, having been a middle manager in corporate myself, uh, low these many years ago, it was over 20 years ago, but middle managers are often in this uh, tough spot, at least it feels like it in organizations and feel impotent or at least to have minimal opportunity to have impact. And um, the way you talk about it, you, uh, I mean, you say that, managers sometimes feel like they lack influence. So how does your serve up coach down approach address that? Yeah, it, 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 you're not alone in that feeling. It, so no one wants to be called a middle manager. And that's why we call the, you know, the leader in the middle, the LIM. And, and the reason why is no, over 90% of all leaders are leaders in the middle. Even if you're the president, you have a CEO and if you're a CEO, you have a board of directors. And so right. The hardest part of this being this manager is how do you balance the power with the with the servantship? And so all the old servant leadership books of the past that serve your people. And as a father of four children from 22 to six, I found when you serve your children, you you raise bold brats. I know because I have a few of them. And <laughs> and, I, and I believe that the same is true. And the, and the reason why the book uh, contradicts servant leadership of the past is I believe we serve our, if we want to be a powerful leader in the middle, we don't serve our employees. We coach them to make them better and we build them as, as people and as professionals. And the real power in this is, is and, and, and the struggle is the same, is that we are both. We are a leader and the follower of every decision, every controversy, every change. We have, we hear the direction we must follow. At the same time, we must give direction and have people follow us. So we have to be both people. And the problem with it is, is we've never been taught how to handle this. And so a lot of leaders in the middle will believe one way and say another. They, well, my people, no, I don't believe in this, but they always do. And, and when they try to disseminate the information to their people, they think they have to protect their people. Like, I'm going to protect them. Listen, that would be like my wife saying she has to protect me from my kids from me. That's terrible. We don't yeah. do it because we're mean. We do it because we want to be impactful. We want to make an impact on our people. And, and we think that, that we have to protect them. And I always say, listen, 
You should never have to protect anyone from your boss. You must have a, you, the only way we'd have to do that is if our boss was evil. And so it's, again, it's not out of malicious intent. It's not out of defiancy. It's just, it's out of what we think our purpose is. And so I challenge leaders in the middle and say, listen, you have the most powerful position as a leader. And the way you keep that power is to focus on ownership of the decision, not the need to make the decision. Because the big piece, and whether it's big business or small business, even in a, 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 a entrepreneur, uh, one boss, one employee business, we have the same issue, is how do you get alignment from the goal of the organization to the execution of the people on the floor? Right. And the only way to do that is to understand and believe in those that pay us and the organization we work for and, uh, and connect that belief with the execution of the task. And when we do that, we get things like committed employees. We get uh, employees who believe, so therefore they don't need buy-in because buy-in is given. When it, it, I always tell people, when you believe in someone or something, buy-in is inherent. It's true. And, yeah, it's true. And, but, but if you don't believe in someone or something, and people have to – and again, buying an employee buy-in start from a noble idea. And that was, hey um, – we want our employees to have buy-in or so, so that way, that way they'll commit to the program. And so the way you get buy-in is just share them the why and the purpose and they'll do the what. Mm. And that's great. As long as buy-in is moving consistently with growth. And so if I got to keep convincing you that it's the right decision, then you don't believe in me or the organization. And, but if you believe in the organization and the, and you don't understand the decision, but you believe me, say, Hey, I don't understand Ursula exactly how or why, but I believe in you. And so tell me why we're doing it so I understand not to challenge you, not to prove you wrong. I'm Reuben. And now the speed of change is much faster. Well, and the lean I mean, in the middle stays powerful. Yeah. Well, you've touched on so many things that I really want to explore Sorry. further. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. You just gave the you just gave a really great overview. So it seems like, it seems like so much of what you talk about then is really about it's kind of a form of responsibility in the sense of taking full responsibility. And one of the things you said uh, towards the end of the book is your power is yours to own, which I thought was such a great statement. So would, do you agree with, do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? It's about oh, responsibility. I do. I, I think, you know, you always talk about impact and I think you're, you're responsible for the impact that you, we, 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 we have no issue saying we're responsible for the impact that we, give to those we lead because it makes us sound i mean and, and again i always tell people i make us sound like a bunch of arrogant people and and, and we are and, but not with malicious we we want to have a sense of purpose so it's like i mm -hmm. i want to know how to impact my people well i'm going to tell you you should only impact the people who you follow too and yeah. and so when you say the power i always tell people listen it's like i tell my kids no one can make you less than. Only you can make you less than. You, no one has that power. You give them that. I have three daughters. And I wrote an article saying, I would rather my daughters be confident than smart. Because mm -hmm. I know a confident daughter is going to be a powerful lady. But I know an insecure daughter will give up her power, no matter how smart she is. So, so I think as leaders, we have to be the same way. And, and that is my point is that the way, you, the way you give your power up as a leader is when you blame others for decision. And I'll give you an example. A leader in the middle says, listen, guys, I know this sounds crazy. I don't always agree with it, but we're going to do it. I gave all my power away. 
Yeah. Right. But I think I, I think I'm being empathetic to my people, but I'm not. I'm 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 giving them no vision, and I'm letting them know that hey, we're just a bunch of cogs in a wheel. And so I always yeah. tell leaders, if you own the responsibility and the relationship, in other words, we always hear leaders say them. I'm like, who's them? The bosses. Okay, first of all, them is you. Right. 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 And, right. And, and by the way, them, them determines our income. So you might want to get alignment really quick. <laughs> and when we stop blaming them and start owning it for us, we keep the power. And, and so I always tell leaders, I'm not saying anything you don't believe. I'm just saying the words and the actions you're choosing are contradicting what you're trying to achieve. Right. Well, you talk about, um, I, I mean, I think that's all really true. And I think that is a way that people give their power away by saying, well, hey, it's not, not up to me, but you yeah. know, it's my job. So I'm going to like push this through whether we like it or not. And I think there's got a bit of a misguided approach of, well, if I bond with my people by everyone kind of feeling like it's being imposed on us, then it's going to connect us and we'll be able to work well right. together. But in fact, it kind of strips away your role as a leader and yeah. that makes it tougher for people. Yeah. I always tell people, listen, the, the, the key to be in balance is not to your point. If we give it all away, now I'm with them. We, we, now, we're, now we're all victims, right? right? right. Yeah. And, then, and then also say, you also can't be a savior. You can't say, don't worry, people. I'll protect you from the big bad people who, by the way, pay us. Right. right. And we work for I, I always tell people, if you can't, if you can't believe and know that your boss's intent towards you or the organization you work for is 100 percent genuine, don't talk trash, get a new job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think to your point, I think the one you give it away by trying to be the victim with them. I think the other way time you give away is when you think you got to protect them. Listen, mm -hmm. here, and I'm OK with you saying, hey, guys, here's. I said, well, leaders, here's how you own the power. You don't have to lie. Be, be authentic. Guys, here's the deal. Here's the direction the company's going. I don't fully understand it either, but I do know this. Those who are making these decisions have more access than we do. What we're going to focus on is how we will achieve it, not why it was chosen. Right. That's yeah. how you keep the power. Well, and I think, you know, your perspective is likely limited in whatever role you play in the organization. You don't necessarily sure. have the bigger view. So there has to be some faith that it's moving forward with knowledge that you don't have. So what, and when I read that, I have to admit my first reaction was, well, wait a minute, does that mean that leaders in the middle should never question what's going on? Like we're, you know, these folks are just supposed to, blindly follow and, yeah. and focus on the, the doing, the implementation, and not on the why? What's your response yeah. to that? Okay, and you're in good company. Because <laughs> I always tell people, you know, so I have two books I read every year, and I read two or three times a year, and they're written in the 40s and 30s. And that was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I read it every year, one of the greatest books I've ever written. And, yeah. I, and it's so funny. It's true now as it was 70 years ago or whenever it was first written. And then Think and Grow Rich. Uh, uh, Napoleon Hill, it's those books. And, and when I wrote my last book, I didn't, this is my fifth book. I'm like, I don't need to write a book to write a book anymore. I want to write a book that people will, will do like they can grow rich. And how, I want them to handle this book to their people in 20 years and make it relevant. And so when you read my book, I tell people, listen, the first 20, 10 to 15 pages, you're going to think I'm nuts. You're going <laughs> to flip it. And you're like, this boy has lost his mind. And it's not but that, I'm, that what I'm saying is different than what you believe. But it's different than what you've been told 
and what you've read, and it's different than how you behave. But serving up is aligned with us as a human, right? We want to serve people. That's mm-hmm. our nature. But when I put it in the business, this perspective of business, and I use the words I use, it's a little daunting. And so I always tell people, as you read the book, you're going to go, he's crazy, he's crazy, he's crazy. And then by page 12, you're like, okay, maybe, maybe. By 20, you're like, okay, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And I always tell you, when you get this, when you start agreeing with me, stop. Go back and read the first page again. I bet you agree with me all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm, I always tell people, we all want something different than we've read before, but we always don't like to hear it. And so right. let me answer your question about not uh, saying no. Here's what I do believe. Yes and yes to your statement. Yes, I want you to understand why decisions are made so you understand the purpose and our intent. But you cannot ask why to challenge, to debate, or to argue, or to prove wrong. Here's why. We all need to get a team. Listen, I think uh, Del Carnegie said that in the beginning. We're eight, we're eight, we're, we as humans are wrong 80% of the time, but we'll argue we're right 100% of the time. So if we're wrong 80% of the time as human, should we understand that maybe our perception's wrong? Maybe we should be a little bit more humble and listen. And so I challenge people to say this. If a company makes a decision or a leader makes a decision and we don't agree with it, our first response is they're out of touch. They don't know what's going on. Um, all the people without the, all the people with no information are making all the decisions, all the people with the information. We all these things right. to say they're crazy, we're right. My right. challenge to you is this. If you believe in them, and you and you and, you, and your boss and your people are smart, I'm okay with you asking why, but trust them and say, "Listen, I, I don't understand it, but I'm, I believe in you." So, tell me why we're doing it, and what the intent is. And then, if I don't agree with it, I can I can say, "Hey, by the way, have you thought about this or or, or this?" And 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 I can I can seek to understand. Well, what happens is the reason why change management is still a desired skill that everyone, every company says, I want change leadership. I want leadership. Leading through change. Leading through change. The problem isn't leading through change. It's the fact that you believe that we can fight. And because and, and if you and I are a company and one company over here is spending all their time letting people argue their point, and you and I have a serve up mentality, we're all, day two, you and I and our team are moving forward. And guess what? If it's a bad decision, turn around, change. Yeah. I mean, how many organizations make bad decisions? And they're yeah, we all do. Right. Well, and and I think people believe, especially in a. I mean, I've personally been involved in uh, acquisitions and mergers and being in the midst of that, and it can often feel quite disempowering for people. So what people tend to do then is, well, I'm going to resist this change, and it's it's a human thing. I mean, we don't necessarily love change it's the rare person who does so with that it feels like this is how we get control back is to resist the change and that's right owning the change is actually how you can move through it more more smoothly uh, do you agree with that i do my, my wife says a great one she always says uh, resentment's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies right, right. and yeah. And when you're and when you're resisting change, you're like, I'll show them. No, we're not. We're just one person. We're not that big. And, and that's yeah. why if you read in the book too, I talk about everyone's needed or everyone is important, but no one is required. And, and all I'm saying is, yeah. let's take the ego out, because what I want to move forward. If, look, I, so I've been through like you, um, 
I've, I've changed five company names and never left the desk. Right. <laughs> and, and so I always tell people, listen, when I led my team. I said, whatever direction we get, there's one thing you can say about our team. We're going to do it the fastest and the best with the most passion, whatever it is, because that's how we earn our paycheck, do the best job we can and be proud of who we are. And it's funny. We give our kids that advice all the time, but we struggle to take it as adults. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and I wonder too, if having that sort of being in a company that is really focused on a larger vision on having impact, does that make it easier for people to buy in and your experience to, to really if, get engaged? If it's in line with their perspective. Of course. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I, my brother, God, God bless him. I love him. And, and he's a smart guy, but I mean, if it's not his idea, it's a bad idea. And <laughs> And, and, and he's not alone out there. And so, you know, I believe that I was doing an interview this morning um, and I said, you know, I was doing a workshop yesterday and I'm talking to the leaders. And I said, you know, it's crazy if you think about this. So if you go to a restaurant, we expect the waitress or waiter to jump through the hoop for us. We mm-hmm. want them to run to get our food and drinks. We want them to be super sweet to us, pull our chair, just do whatever they can for that 20% tip. Right. Right. Mm hmm. And, and, and we'll pay it if they do it. But if they don't, we are just furious. Yeah. Yet, for the boss who pays us every day, every week, every month, every year, some of us have great lives because of this money. If we serve them the way we want a waitress to serve us or a waiter to serve us, that's wrong. Why you, right? Does that make sense? It's, yeah. it's amazing. Sure. We have no trouble asking a stranger to jump through the hoops for 20%. But I'm not gonna, my boss can't ask me. I've been here 10 years. He can't ask me to jump through hoops or she can't because I get a paycheck. You can. It's called servant. It's right. It make listen. I want my boss. I always tell leaders. How many of you want your boss to say, Ursula's man? If you want something done, you call Ursula. Her and her team get. It. We all want to be that person. Mm-hmm. And the way we do that is to be is to be a humble servant. To say, listen, boss, you pay me to do a job. My goal is to do it as unbelievably. That's not sucking up. That's serving up. Yeah. Well, let's delve into that further because you yeah. the title of your book is is serve up coach down. So what, I mean, let's, let's talk about the serve up part of it first. So tell us more about how does, how do you do that authentically in a way that is not sucking up, that is creating a healthy relationship between you and your boss in, in this environment where you're trying to make sure that you're leading your people well, and that you're you're serving the organization and the person that you work for in the organization. Yeah, I, I think it starts off with two things, and it starts off with your your you have you have to, you have, to have to make the choice, right? That this is what I'm going to do. It's like belief and attitude. Everyone knows having good attitude is important. Everyone knows you got to believe to achieve. The, the the first the first hurdle is is not knowing it. It's being it's making the choice to to live it, right? And I think for me, the balance between serving up and sucking up and, 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 and serving down versus coaching and all that balance is making the choice that says, listen, I'm going to make a choice that I understand that my job, whether I'm the owner of a large company uh, or I'm a VP or I'm a director or I'm a store manager, my job is to serve and carry the focus and the mission of the organization. Because that's who pays me. And I know if I work for a good company and their job is to offer great service and, and have impact on, the, on people, 
then why would I even ever want to go against it? And so I make the choice that says, listen, I'm not going to let you win in golf. I'm going to beat you if I can. That's sucking up, <laughs> letting them win. That's, see, that's what's funny. People have no issues letting the customer and the boss win in golf, but that's truly sucking up. You're manipulating the right. end result just to make someone falsely feel good about themselves. I'm, I'm going to beat you in golf, and I'm going to take your money, and I might even say nice – I might even make fun of you, and, and I'm not going to give you overly compliments. But what I am going to do is anything you ask me to do. Hey, Nate, I need you to go wash my building. I'm on it. Uh, I, I sell books for a living. Um, if a bookstore manager called me from Canada and said, Nathan, will you come do a signing? I'll be there tomorrow. Um, and I don't do it because I'm a noble, saint, nice, good person. I'm, I'm not that good of a person. Ask my wife and kids. <laughs> I do it because I'm selfish because I want to make an impact. I want to be the person that when people say, Hey, what do you think of Nathan Jamel? I want them to say, man, I don't know if I like him, but I will tell you, he is a good, genuine human being. I want my boss to say the same thing. And so I believe that. I, and I believe most people will genuinely want that. I think we fear judgment. And so um, we don't want people to think we're a certain way. Listen, be you. And if people judge you, they're not a problem with you. They have a problem with themselves. And so I want my boss to say, hey, and, and by the way, I, I tell my people, real simple, I want you to believe in me and trust me. And I think the only way you're going to believe and trust me is you see me believe and trust in those we're following. And here's my deal to you. My intentions and my intent is if you work for me, I'm going to push you harder than anyone else would push you. I want you to do more than anyone else, not because I'm taking advantage of you, but I want you to do more because you're capable of it. If you give me everything you got, and I'm going to take everything I can from you and, and resources, my goal is to make you better. And I'll help you get anywhere you can. I'll help you get connections if I can, whatever I can do. And at the end of the day, in 20 years, if 40 people don't work for me, but did and have great successful careers and somehow some way down the road, they say, dude, Nathan Jamel changed my life. I'm done. And so that's what serve up means. And, and, and a lot of people say, well, Nathan, they're a little arrogant to think you can change people's lives. I, you know, I, I'll tell you, I was at a hotel uh, last week and the, the waitress was so amazing. She made my whole trip to. And you're still Boston talking about beneficial. Her. And I'm still talking. And all she did, <laughs> it wasn't even a full service restaurant. <laughs> um, and so uh, that's so I, again serving up is, is, is not about sucking up sucking up is a, is, a, is a weak person who manipulates words and lets people win a golf however you want to say it yeah. but a servant a servant we'll never hear a servant say that's not my job yeah well it goes back to that whole ownership thing and taking the opportunity and empowering yourself in that scenario of well I hadn't thought about doing that but I'm going to do it. Let's give it a shot. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let's look at the flip side of the, of the okay. coach down. Cause I think um, I, there's a few things here that really interest me. I mean, first of all, I think it's, it's a great concept to coach down, but I think that a lot of leaders in the middle are, they just don't have the skills to do it. And not every organization supports developing those skills. I mean, ideally that would be the case, but so what can a what can a leader in the middle do to really enhance their coaching skills? Yeah, so you're dead on all on all fronts. Um, I, in my last book, not the serve up coach down, but the leadership playbook, I, I start off with corporate America's corrupt, and everybody's like, yeah, I'm like, no, 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 not financially. I love corporate America. I think they're corrupt in the sense that we want our our managers to coach their employees, but the problem is we never teach our managers how to be coaches. Mm. 
we just assume they know how. And, and, and every company I work with will tell you our greatest fault is we promote an employee to a manager, but yet we never teach them how to develop people. And, and it's not because they don't want to. It's just a lack of resources or time, to your point. So here's, I, here's my advice to uh, uh, leaders. First thing is, I think you got to love to learn. You got to love, you got to learn to love to learn. And I am not that way naturally. I'm a C minus student, or so I did not like to read. I'm, a, I'm an author who doesn't like to read, yet <laughs> I read a book every day, but I do it through, I, I find the way that I learn. I read, I listen to audible books, I listen to double speed, I do it every single day. And I've learned more from the lessons of, of books and implementation of those lessons because you got to listen, but you also got to implement. So I tell people, you got to, first thing I do is learn to love to learn so you'll listen to leaders. And so that's the first step. The second step I'll tell people is coaching and managing are two different things. And I'll, I'll give you three basic tips of how to coach versus manage because we think manage is nice. It's passive. It's like being, it's like parenting. Being your kid's buddy. Yeah, it's fun and easy, but it's, it's, it, 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 it doesn't do them any good. Doesn't, I don't, I don't believe it makes them good parent, good people. I think being a hard parent, a loving parent, a difficult parent, not mean, abusive, I mean hard, like, hey, you got to do things and we're, and we're always inspecting and, and doing their homework and, and checking them. That's a lot of, I always tell my, I used to tell my son, it's hard work to be a jerk father. Uh, <laughs> it's exhausting. But uh, the same thing as with coaching and managing. It's really easy to be a man. The, the, oh, or so the, the quote I hear and literally just makes my head spin and people say it all the time. I probably even said it many times in my old day, in my past. I hire good people. Or great people and let them do their job. Yeah. That's terrible. We've all heard that many times. Yeah. Right. And it's like, no, no, your job is to hire great people and let them really serve you. But you need to, you need to give them something. You need to make them greater or better. And so I always tell leaders, if you want to learn how to coach, think of sports, not because it's a man thing or now. Don't think of the analogies. Think of the actual principle. In sports, it's not about the person who knows the sport the best or who's been doing it the longest the best. The best athlete is the one who's committed to practicing skill development and effort. That's also the best employee. It has nothing to do with sport. It has to do with our contribution and our skill set. And so I just tell leaders two things you can do. The first thing you can do is spend time with those who deserve the attention versus need the attention. In management, we always spend time with the weakest employees and we leave the strongest ones alone. And then we do that. Well, what happens is our involvement is a consequence of failure. They know if Nathan's within time with you, then you must not be very good. I want to change that. I want you to desire my attention. I want the people in the middle to say, Nathan, how about me? Yeah, yeah, I'll spend time with you. Let's step it up, right? And I'll step it up. But you got to earn. And, and now your involvement is a reward and people will listen. It's kind of like you do coaching, right? And consulting. Mm-hmm. And then amazing, the people who are actually paying you, when, so when you're in middle management, your employees never paid for it, and half of them didn't want it. Now you got people paying you for advice, and it's like, yeah, I want it. When we strive or see something as a, as a benefit or reward or beneficial, we'll strive for it. And so a manager's involvement's got to be something that people have to earn and be a benefit. And the second one, and, and then I'll stop talking because I know I go on a little rant, um, is our job is to make people better. And so we have to create this thriving culture where everyone is held accountable to high level. But don't just train people on knowledge, product, and services. Teach them how to be better at it. I mean, you're going to walk out your door today. You're going to five different places. And four out of those five people are going to do a terrible job in trying to make you feel good. 
quit teaching about the apple pie you're selling. Start teaching them how to smile and offer it. <laughs> and that's a skill. And, and so practice, drill it. And so those are the two things. That if a leader can focus on, I'm going to spend time with those who deserve the attention, and I'm going to focus on the skills, not just the knowledge, and making them better at saying hello, answering the phone, smiling. I know it sounds basic, but even the greatest people in the highest levels of leadership forget the basics. Yeah. Well, one of the quotes from your book is, uh, all great leaders are not great coaches, but all great coaches are great leaders. So as, a, right. as a coach myself, that kind of warmed my heart. But I think there's, there's something really true in it in the sense that you can really help people develop, help people to really rise above their previous circumstances or whatever they have been involved with as through coaching. So I think that's, uh, yeah, I was quite intrigued by that when you read that. Well, and, and, and it's funny, you can actually apply that to the educational field. Mm -hmm. Not all great teachers make great principals. Not sure. all great principals make great teachers, right? I mean, so it's, it's, it's a different skill set. And so I always tell people, being a coach is about what you're doing. Being a leader is more about who the person you are. And yeah. so it's, it's, it's just that it's, it's kind of be able to recognize what do you want to do? Um, for me, I wouldn't work for a non-coach because I want to, I know I'm a C minus student. I'm pretty much the dumbest person in the room, almost every room I go into. And, and so I want someone who can teach me and who, who's willing to teach me, not leave me alone. I don't want to be the, I don't want to be Nathan today. I don't want to be that same Nathan in two years. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you advocate really demanding down instead of protecting down and asking people you lead to do even more. So isn't that potentially going to drive good people out of the organization is, is, I mean, what about a situation where you set a goal that is going to be a challenge and it directly affects people's bonuses, for example? Yeah. 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 So I always tell people, listen, negotiating for income is different than um, achieving greatness. I get it. I've been a sales guy all my life, and you're negotiating for your quota. Well, negotiate down, knock yourself out. But at the end of the day, when it comes to when it comes to getting it in the ball of the park, kill it and don't stand back. And and so when I say demand down, um, and you've been in reduction forces and things like that in your past, we tend to always want to protect our people. Our people are overworked. There's too much already. They can't handle anymore. They're going to break. When we do that, we are telling our people they're incapable of doing more, that they're weak, that we don't believe in them that they need someone like us to protect them. They're victims. And then, yeah, and then we tell our boss, we, we, then we confirm it with our boss. Yeah, you're right, they're overworked, but we don't say they're weak. We just say they're overworked and they can't handle anymore. And my challenge to people is, I remember the back when the first reduction in forces back in the 90s, before the, now they had the 80s when the SNL crisis all it downturn, but even the 90s people found out, oh my gosh, we didn't need half the people we had. We found a way to be successful without it. My point to demanding down is if you have the perspective that the more work we ask our people to do, we're taking advantage of them, then yes, demanding down is a, 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 a malicious place. And they're just, we'll work them until they wear out. And I don't have that heart. I don't look at it as, my look at it is, listen, uh, as an employee, if you pay me, I want, I'm going to give you everything I can. If I can figure out how to give you 50 pieces instead of 30, I want to give you 50 pieces. And so when I'm asking you to give, I don't want you to say, am I doing enough? I want you to say, how much more can I do? Not because, I'm, not because I want to take advantage of you, but I want, you to, I want to have the biggest impact at whatever level I have, and I want your impact to be greater. And so the, 
And if I can help you, if I demand you, hey, listen, we can do this with three. I demand it. I give you confidence. I demand it. I, I help you achieve and believe in things you never could have believed and achieved in on your own. You grew at that, at that moment. You have grown as a person. And then your boss and my boss says, they can do it. We can do it. So when I say demand down, it's like making my, it's, I'll give you a perfect example. Our, you have, our kids. And they say, yeah, do your homework. Yeah, but dad, I'm in sports. I'm helping out with chores. I got to do this. And, and, and I don't have time to study. You have to study. And we will accept no excuses from our kids. You have to study. You have to do this. You got to do it all. Do your dishes. I mean, for those parents of us who are just literally abusive in the sense that we demand everything out of them, not physically, but we demand it and we're hard on them. Most of us would not accept any of our kids' excuses. Well, I'll just take your phone away. I'll just take your privileges away. Yet we'll accept excuses and, and we won't protect our kids, but we'll protect the 40-year-old adult who we pay. <laughs> and the reason why is we love our kids. Yeah. We want them we, to do we, well. We want them. We know that if our job, the world's a tough place. And I want to make you strong so when you go out in that world, you own it. Listen, as an employee, I want to make you strong so as you grow to grow, you become stronger and a better leader, whether you're with me or not. The difference is it requires so much work. And our kids, our God made us do that. We love them no matter what, even when they don't deserve it. Um, and, and, and when we don't deserve it, you know, my, my poor father, I'm sure, probably wanted to strangle me more than once. But thank God he stuck with me and, and kept me there. But we don't have that gene with our employees. So what we do is we tend to protect them. Not, and by the way, we don't even protect them because we love them. We protect them because if they leave, we can't find a replacement. I mean, it's purely selfish. Mm-hmm. We don't say that because that, make that makes us sound inhumane, inhumane and mean. But I, I was talking this this morning tonight. You know, we always want to see ourselves as honest, genuine people who care. Right. I just don't know if we're as honest and genuine people as we would like to be as often as we like to be. Well, I mean, I guess you could argue that everything we do is self-serving in some way. I mean, you're, you're even having impact is self, potentially self-serving. Sure. Hopefully you've got a bigger vision that sees that, yes, it's serving you and it's serving them as well. So yeah. that's the, well, the balance. Yeah. And, and it goes back to the whole idea that, you know, I told you that in the beginning about my daughters, I, my daughters, I, I preach to them that no one can take your power. And people will treat you the way you let them treat you. Don't you own it? Well, I never look at a company. A company can never take advantage of me or any employee. You have the power. Mm-hmm. And some people say, Nathan, you understand people need jobs. Yeah, everybody needs a job. But that doesn't mean you need that job. You need to be, life is short in this world. You should uh, do something that you want to make the difference in. And sometimes we do bad jobs or, or, or small jobs to get the big job. But it's the step in the purpose. And that becomes the bigger picture of where we're trying to be. Well, I'm, I'm really interested to explore a little bit about, I mean, you've obviously developed your perspective on this over years of the work that you've done. And how is, that, how is this affecting how you see your own business? How does it affect how you, how you lead in your own business? You know, um, I think I go back to I, I learn every day. And so um, I think what helps me because I'm preaching it is I have to remind myself to live it. 
And, and so I find myself challenging me all the time. Right. And, and, and there are areas where, um, I wish I would have been better at this 20 years ago, because I probably would have been a much further ahead in my life, but don't get me wrong. I'm very, I always tell people, I'm very content with where I am. I'm just not complacent. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I use these ideas that, you know, and, and I'd be reminded all the time. My, my wife is, is a great person for that is, you know, I take my servant leadership um, to serve up and I talk about serving out. And so, you know, I had, a, I had a mentor tell me one time, how much do you tip housekeeping? And I said, like, I don't know, a couple of bucks. He goes, why don't you give them 20 next time and see if you can't make someone's day? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, just little thing. And so now my wife has got me where I'm always looking for ways to do a better job at my office, uh, with whether it's my office manager or my business manager. How can I demand more out of them? I, and I, I think they'll tell you, no, he demands plenty. Um, <laughs> But I want to, I want to demand more of them, and I want to show them that they're capable of doing more, and we as an organization can do more. At the same time, and I and I just brought on my new manager. I said, listen, there are things that you're going to hear me say that I need you to do, and you're going to think there's a better way. And sometimes I'll I want you to know there's a question you ask. Am I looking for input, or is this a marching order? <laughs> and if it's a marching order, rock it. If it's input, give it. But we've got to move quickly. And so we've got to know our intent before we ever take action. So that, that's kind of how this has played into my personal business. And now I work with leaders on this all the time, every day. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, it's great to see you implementing it in your own sphere um, as well. So there's a, the, the way that I always wrap up these interviews is with the three rapid round questions. So are you, are you ready to, to yes, answer ma'am. those? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Great. So the the first one is, what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? You know, I probably learned that from my wife more than anything is, um, is it's not about what we, it's not about what we learn. It's about what, how we use what we learn to help others. And so my wife is the most selfless human being I've ever met in my life. And, and, and I'm probably the, probably all of my life has been the most selfish human being I've ever met in my life. And so I think uh, she's helped me take my assertiveness and, 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 and desire to really achieve greatness and, and have it with a more giving heart. And so, yeah, I, I think, I think the, I, the impact, the most important is the impact that we actually can contribute to others uh, moving forward. And that's yeah. from the missus. That's not great. a leader or coworker. well the second question is what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most i will give you everything i got i always tell you there's a lot a lot of people smarter than me there's no one who has more effort um i don't mind getting dirty i like i i'll 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 outwork anybody and so um i don't and i think it just it's 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 a it's just a drive that I love what I do. And I've always, and, and, I, and I've always, I told you, I, I, I've never had a bad job except being a janitor. But even being a janitor, I, I wanted you to see me as the best janitor in the world. And so I, I always tell people, I share best practices. I tell everyone what I, my best practice, because I believe that the difference in us is not what we know, but what we're willing to do. I think what's helped me is even when the results don't always show up, as you know, in this business, it could take a long time um, to see success. And so, um, and sometimes days are great. Sometimes a struggle, but I, I go out and dig a hole every day. Plant a seed. That's great. That's great. And the last question is what's, if you were to give somebody advice about 
who's saying, I want to have impact. I want to be out there really making a difference, contributing. What would you say to them? Uh, and what would you say to them as, a, as your, your insider piece of advice about that? The advice I give people in, in, in life is in this area in business in particular is, is you know, it's like Texas Hold'em. You got to be willing to go all in and you got to be willing to go all in every hand. And, you know, um, and what I mean by that is uh, if you want to go chase your dream, go. Don't be afraid of being homeless because most of us and most people out there, there's a way. Don't use your kids as an excuse not to chase your dream because they don't care about what house they live in and the cars they have. They care about mommy and daddy around. Don't use, don't allow your excuses to get in the way of what you, you want to do, Is whether it's impacting people on an individual basis or maybe it's impacting people on a job or doing like you did. Say, hey, I'm going to sell everything and I'm going to go live life. But go all in and, and it'll, it'll work out. Maybe not always easy. There's a lot of bumps on the road, you know. But if you look at, you know, one thing I listen to people who, uh, actors and, and, and dreamers who have achieved success, that's one thing they all say. They, they allow fear into their world, but they use it for fuel and not a, a barricade. And so I remind myself and my wife reminds me um, and I remind people, go all in. And that's, that's the advice I give. That, that's, if, I, if there's one thing that people leave here and, and as a leader, serve up, go all in. Give them everything you got. That's, that's the advice. Yeah, that's great. Well, Nathan, thanks so much uh, for sharing your perspectives. I, I think it's going to be inspiring for people to hear about giving it all you've got and um, yeah. our, seeing our jobs, whatever they are, as a way to make people better, to help people be better. Um, it's, uh, it's been great to have this conversation with you. So thank you. Thank you. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. I'm very grateful for the time and the opportunity. Uh, great. Well, uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to reach you? Yeah, um, our website is www.nathanjamel.com. Um, and that's J-A-M-A-I-L.com, like the U.S. mail. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of us. We're on all social medias. We're Facebook uh, at Nathan Jamel, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, and if you have a question or, or need anything, all you do is email us or go to our website or you can email info at Nathan, but you can go on our website, send us a question. And I promise you, if it's to me, I'll answer it. And if it's to the team, they'll answer it. But that's how you get a hold of us. Great. And your book's available in all the major outlets and on your website? They are. They're available. The, all, all books are available on all websites and, and at most airports. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> you can find them anywhere uh, all the time. And all media is audio, digital, and hardcover. Great. All right. Well, thanks again, Nathan, for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you so much for having me. Take care, Ursula. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, Join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.